How's it going? Welcome to episode eight of season two of the Jumping the Rail podcast. This is Mark Redman coming to you from Champaign, Illinois. And as usual, joined by my buddy and tag team partner, Gary Vassellio. Gary, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm tired, but alive. <laughs> Me too. It's been a hell of a week. Just busy, 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 you know. But the good thing is we've always got pro wrestling. But uh, that, that we do. <laughs> every yes. night for better or worse sometimes yes. so it's uh i know we're a we're a wrestling podcast gary but you and i are also big baseball fans so i think it should uh we should make a note today uh gaylord perry passed away the, oh really yeah uh 84 years old if rick flair was the dirtiest player in the game in wrestling I think that claim could very easily go to Mr. Perry in baseball. Yeah. Put a little something on the ball every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, I think Eddie Harris from Major League was based on him. <laughs> I, yeah. He kind of looked like him. <laughs> Putting the KY jelly on the ball and yeah. occasional snap ball. But, uh, yeah, he was one of the great ones. So, I say, yeah. Cheers to Gaylord Perry on the video here. So, lost a lot of them in the last year or two. Yeah, the COVID didn't help. No, a lot of Hall of Famers, a lot of our youth. But like I said, for all the good, for all the bad news, I uh, I had I had a, a good day today because it it's like Christmas come early for me, Gary, because. <laughs> I don't know if our listeners know uh i'm a i'm a bit of a belt collector it's a it's a hobby that i don't do a lot of anymore just because it's kind of a, a dent in the old bank account sometimes but i did get a delivery from my belt guy in pakistan uh ikris khalid and isk customs and uh it's a good one. hang on your belt guy in pakistan I have a belt guy in Pakistan. Who doesn't though? Well, most of most of what I have, I've got a couple of like heavy. I got an IWGP belt that's kind of junk. I got it off eBay, and then I got a big gold that's really cool. I got some signatures on, but most of what I got is tag team belts. And uh, this one came in today. I got the uh, the Ring of Honor title from '04 to '2010. Got uh, reintroduced this past year. FTRs had it, but. A lot of my favorite tag teams have held this one, Gary. And, uh, whether it was the Briscoes or the Kings of Wrestling or Punk and Cabana, you know, just just plus it's just a cool looking belt. So I was glad to get that in the mail today. And, uh, yeah, I was never really up on our. Well, I knew what was going on, but I never got to see it. I wasn't in those tape trading circles. No, I. I had a buddy that would go to the shows when I lived up in Aurora, but I, I never went. I was usually working. So I would always give him like a handful of bucks and have him bring me back some DVDs. And so I was able to see some of the stuff, but it was probably my favorite wrestling in the mid two thousands. Like even above like WWE and uh, TNA, you know? So just cause I think what I like about it is it put the emphasis on the sport more than the, the stories. Yeah, it was very much like a, it was very much like a Japanese promotion in in the U.S., which which I liked. 
But uh, now it has been absorbed under the dutiful bosom of Tony Khan in all elite wrestling. And still he's don't know what's going to happen with Ring of Honor nowadays. What's that? He's, he's doing something with it. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, for all the people that say WWE rips off ideas, Tony just blatantly ripped off WWE last weekend at full gear. I mean, to have a Samoan guy named Joe holding two titles, I mean, that's been done. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a little inside baseball, but yep. <laughs> Maybe True. a little bit, but it, it, it popped me, so, you know. Gotta get my hot cocoa going. It's cold out today, and uh, I'm still I'm getting over the last bits of my cold, Gary. So I'm trying to heat up the uh, the old system here. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Full Gear. Now we didn't get to watch Full Gear live because we were at the Zero One USA show last weekend, and yeah, uh, it was a it was a fun time. I always enjoyed the Zero One, and you know that uh, out there because I do co-host the Zero One Shootout on every other week on this network but uh this was your first time going gary so uh just you know just off the top of your head just impressions thoughts concerns what did you think of the show um that you remember over, overall it wasn't bad you could uh once i figured out that the guys that were from st louis were were really that green because they are just students that kind of I kind of understood that um, the main event was pretty good, and I'm not a big, huge fan of uh, intergender matches, but it was done well. Um, uh, the opening to the show, if I'd have been a little more up on, but the opening was still good. Um, the mic work was good. Uh, a lot of the work work was pretty good. There were some spots that were it was indie yeah, but, well, you know that's what happens on the indies that's what you're there for you know to learn so as long as you don't yeah, kill somebody that's yeah or you know no serious injuries happen and i think uh one of the guys i think got a nice little uh shot to the head on the, in the buckle but uh yeah well he's gonna be all right uh but yeah you really knew nothing about the product when you walked into the building last weekend. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good way to introduce you to it, just to kind of get an idea of the, kind of the lay of the land there. But like I said, because of that, we did not see the pay-per-view. I had to watch it uh, a couple of days later. And I honestly, full disclosure, I didn't watch the whole show. I just kind of caught the high, high points. So, and everybody knows, if you're not under living under a rock, you know we've got a new world champion. Uh, young Maxwell Friedman is uh, is the champ. Got a big assist from Regal, and uh, I have my thoughts on that, uh, especially after last night on uh, on Dynamite. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't get the whole thing last night, but because now Regal's just kind of hung out in the wind, and he looks stupid for trusting Max. And then if they take him back to Blackpool. He's the one that's been telling him what to do, and now he's the one that screwed up, and mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. That was my exact problem. They made Regal look stupid 
and he's supposed to be the the veteran street fighter guy and they had him fall for the oldest trick in the book so they gotta get behind you and whack him in the head but i didn't yeah. like the uh, to begin with between regal and mjf that stuff seemed weird to me i didn't mind the program with him um i got i i can't i know it was a it was kind of they kind of shoehorned it all in there and I understand that because I was listening to Stokely Hathaway on uh, Renee Young's show. He was the first person to kind of let slip what the plans were. And everybody knew what the plans were, but it was supposed to be Punk and MJF. Right. And Punk requested to work with Stokely. And that's why the firm got involved. I would have had the firm come back with MJF. After the whole Regal thing, I would have had them just come out to the ring, and he would lead them off. Yeah, a, a heel well, like him Stokely. needs what? Or at least have Stokely come out. Yeah, but a heel like MJF needs a stable, just because he needs people to order around, people do his dirty work. He's backup. But I, I, so I like him as champ. I hope he's champ for a while. I like the idea of Moxley's attention on uh, Page. Page, yeah, I'm, yeah. I am tired, <laughs> but, <laughs> and I, and I think they could do that program well. Daniel Bryan will probably be the next in line. I, I can't see MJF dropping the title. Um, I don't remember how long it takes to get over a torn tricep or tricep surgery, but even when Punk comes back, and I say when, because <laughs> I'm more and more looking like I was, I'm right, mm -hmm. that people are just marks. Hey. And uh, he's going to come don't back, and when he comes do. back, it's going to be Omega Punk at what's their big WrestleMania pay per view? Uh, either double or nothing or all out. I'd say yeah. I'm it's gonna be punk and I don't know who he'll have with him. Um he might have a steel come with him. I was kind yeah, of possibly. hoping I was hoping that they would form like a faction with Ace Punk and um MJF. Yeah. And him just be mega heels. But I don't know. Well, but when Punk comes back, because you got Kenny dropping little tiny hints about stuff, and first things I've said, and like I like I've always said, CM Punk's a lot of things, but quiet isn't one of them. <laughs> so there's no. no way he would have been out this long in this situation and not said something. No. So. I mean, kudos to everybody involved because there's still a lot of people who believe it. And I may be completely wrong, but it's just more and more pointing towards. I think Punk actually got hurt. I, I think he went into the match with Moxley thinking it was okay. And I'm guessing partway through the match, he's like, oh, this is bad. Mm. So after the match, he tells Tony, hey, there's something really wrong. Um, we need to figure this out. 
And Tony's mm-hmm. like, well, crap, you're supposed to go on to MJF. Moxley's supposed to go on vacation. So he's like, well, what can we do? He's like, well, I was going to work Kenny anyway later. What do you want to do with And I, I don't think Kenny was 100% when he came back. He, oh, looked, he looked awful when they first came back. Awful. So I think... He looked, he looked great yesterday. So Yeah, I, I think it was like, you know what? I could use a few more weeks. Mm-hmm. Punk's going to be out a few months. We're doing this whole new kayfabe thing. Let's just do that. So I don't know besides Brian who they will have up against MJF. Maybe Darby. They Ooh. may do like Jungle Boy. MJF may do the tear down the pillars of AEW thing. Oh, that makes sense. I've heard a lot he of talk about Kingston. I've heard a lot of people saying MJF and Kingston could have a really good program for the world title, which I agree with. Yeah. <clears throat> they need to do something with Eddie. Yeah. I mean, they keep, it's like they keep doing them favors, like they give them Akiyama or these guys that he's always wanted to work with. But he's good enough that they can they could do something. I've seen him work Samoa Joe before. And they had a really stiff, really good match. And this is I mean, it was like ten years ago. But I think I mean you don't get worse in the ring. So I think they could have a pretty good program for the TNT title. Maybe Kingston used that to springboard into a run with MJF for a few months. But if MJF holds that title for anything less than one year, I'll be disappointed. Yeah. Because MJF is, I mean, it's cliche and it sounds cheesy as hell. He is their Ric Flair at this point. Yeah. He's the best heel they got. And he is, I mean, I know I said last week or last episode, he wasn't much of a heel because he was getting cheered for. If he wasn't a heel after last night, then I don't know what's going on. Because he was getting booed no. out of the building after he dropped Regal. <laughs> Some fans will cheer no matter what just because he's oh. their favorite wrestler. But, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I think that's kind of where we're at we're now. We're the booth for a while. Yeah. But remind me, you said you don't get worse in the ring when we talk about the WWE pay-per-view. Well, I'm just saying in general, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're working, like it's very hard to, to lose a step, especially if you're somebody like a Samoa Joe. Oh, yeah. I mean... He's Number one, be the best shape he's been in years. And I like him beating Wardlow for the TNT title. Uh, he's still doing the uh, Ring of Honor TV Championship. I don't know who he's defending against at the uh, final battle, which I think is in a week or two. I don't think they've announced much for that show. Uh, I think Jericho and Claudio is the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. For that show and that's the one where they're doing the stipulation if claudio loses he has to join the jericho flying circus or whatever it's called the jas and uh, yeah i mean they might have jericho retained but i don't know i i think they, they wanted to put a little steam on the title put it on jericho yeah. unless tony's finally got tv somewhere and he's wanting to get his champions back in order. Maybe, yeah. If it's not Claudio, who do you think is the guy to beat uh, Jericho? 
I don't know because I don't know who they have. I mean, they have. Well, they have Taven and Bennett, right? No, yeah, they're not using them. They jobbed out the Wardlow like a month ago, and I haven't really seen much of them since. Which yeah. makes zero sense to me. I don't know. I think Tony collects, Tony collects toys and then forgets he has them. Puts them in the box and then walks away. I Yeah, I don't know who it would be. I'm inclined to think Lethal. But they have to Lethal if they turn him baby face. It's true. I mean, it'd be Lethal. I don't see, like, I know they're uh, showing different side of Danhausen that I can't see. Yeah. Although Jericho has lost to Orange Cassidy on purpose. So. On purpose. <laughs> I like your, your terminology. Yeah, there's a handful of guys you could use. Uh, plus, there's still some guys that didn't go to AEW that were in Ring of Honor. But, yeah. I mean, plus you got to think who in who of those guys is going back to Ring of Honor? I mean, some of them might stick with AEW. Like, yeah. I was thinking Roosh, but now Roosh is pretty much running Andrade's faction, so I don't think is he's going to be going back. Is Andrade yeah. hurt? I I don't know if he's hurt. The storyline is suspended, but I don't know what the story is with that. I don't know if him and Charlotte wanted to go take a vacation or if he's just taking time off or this contract yeah, I don't know she's she's been off TV for an exorbitant amount of time. Yeah, for most of the year. So making meaning when she comes back it's gonna be that much bigger and well I mean Vince you, Vince never let people like miss her. He he just trotted her out there every week. She was always in the title picture. He never had a feud that wasn't for the belt, and I think people just got sick of it because it yeah. was just, oh, Charlotte's going to win the belt again. Look at that, you know, coming out, doing her Charlotte thing. And I think you have to miss somebody. Yeah, the only case of emergency break glass thing, you know. Yeah. Both on Charlotte. I heard an interview, or I read an interview, I should say, with Alexa Bliss. It was interesting. Basically, she said that while she would not – like she wants to be the champion again. She she says she's happier working with the younger talent and putting people over these days. And she wants to, if she's not the champion, she wants to be elevating whoever's going to be the next top star in the division. Which is, I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but it's a good outlook to have. It's a it's a very selfless the, attitude to have. The right way to do it. That would be the 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 correct way to be. But. So, was it MJF wins, wins that belt, and then it was, what, Paige and uh, Britt Baker? Oh, Soraya and Britt, yeah. Yeah, not Paige, yeah, Soraya. Yeah, you could you could see there was still some, uh, some ring rust on Soraya. A good match, though. <laughs> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Britt was the right person to put in with Soraya for her first match back. As far as like having somebody you can count on to to make a good match ha happen, you know. But uh, 
with I'm, one thing I was glad about Gary is they dropped finally dropped the interim off of the women's championship. Uh, Thunder Rosa officially relinquished the title. Jamie Hader is your women's champion. All is right in the world. But it still looks like, and this is going off what I saw on Dynamite last night, it seems like Jamie's still playing second banana to Brit. Which well, I'm sure there's going to be a, a few there. Got a, oh, it's coming. It's definitely coming. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm glad that Tony finally got rid of the interim label on that championship because you know the old say, if you can't defend the title in 30 days, you lose the title, no holding your place or anything, you know? And Yeah, I mean, if her back's hurt that bad, I mean, at this point, just get the surgery and come back. Or if it, there's no surgery, if it is, just do what you got to do. But if it's not her back, if it is something else, like, I don't know. But it's the right decision either way. Yeah. You can't just hold the title just because. Yeah. Yeah, there's a... Uh, I saw the same thing when uh, Cody got hurt last year when he was TNT champion. They put an interim title on Sammy Guevara for two weeks before Cody came back. Like, come on. It's, if, if that's the case, just don't put the belt on Sammy at all. Just give Cody the two weeks. If it's going to be longer than that, then strip Cody and have a vacant championship match, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. Tony wants to make AEW more like a like MMA. You know, that's what UFC does all the time. They have interim champions when somebody's hurt. Which is weird because, I mean, Guys go months between fights anyway in UFC, so I, I yeah, it's know. not it. I I I don't know. I don't get it. It's something they do. They want to have a belt to show off, so that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just want to have something to put on TV. Mm-hmm. When uh, it's not, it's not like UFC, it's not like UFC has a real ranking system anyway. No, it's just Dana's whim. Yeah, it's very ECW. Guy A shows up, fights Guy Z. <laughs> guy Z. <laughs> so just skipping B through Y all together. Just... Yeah, it's just like, well, that guy, uh, people know him, so we're going to have you yeah. fight him. Right. Surprised CM Punk never got a title shot. Yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't, like, his second match, even though he lost his first one, I'm surprised he didn't get a shot at the bell. <laughs> I always said about Lesnar, it's like, dude's never had a professional fight. Wins one fight, what was it the second or third fight he had? He was fighting for the heavyweight uh, championship. He lost yeah, his first fight. And then second fight he won, then they gave him Couture, and he, he won. Which, I mean, that was an awesome fight, but I mean, come I'm on. Sure there, I'm sure there wasn't anybody else in line. You know, because Frank Mir just probably wasn't in line at all so no that's okay frank got his shot yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that went the swimmingly for him but speaking yeah. of ecw that reminds me when shane douglas was the world champion he got hurt and this is mid 98 i think it was when he hurt his arm he was still yeah. showing up on on tvs every week showing up at the pay-per-views he was doing commentary so he was still visible with the title which is different than like nowadays when guys get hurt and they go home for <laughs> six months. 
Shane's one yeah. of those old school guys where if you don't show up on TV, you're not getting paid. You, you might lose your spot, you know. And then, uh, yeah, it's kind of gone. It's kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, Punk did that a little bit during his run in WWE when he got hurt. He was still showing up on crutches with the belt and everything. But other than that, usually it's just they go off TV until they're back, and it just something gets something's something's missing, you know. Yeah, what else was cool. there? That... Uh, let's talk about the uh, the trios uh, championship, Gary. Uh, the elite came back against the uh, Death Triangle. Good match, you know. I enjoyed it. I don't get why they're doing a best of seven. That's a lot. I I know this last one last night was pretty short. It was kind of a um, out of nowhere victory, but. Any like best of five, best of seven series, eventually, like even what was it? Was it Ben Wall and Booker T in WCW? Yeah, for the TV title, best of seven. And those guys can work. But mm-hmm. by the end, I'd seen everything they could do. And I was just kind of bored. And trios matches, I know there's so much they can do, but man, it's just. I can only watch somebody do the same flippy do spot <laughs> so many times, and yeah, it's already it's already boring for me. But because I, I, I just yeah. I mean, it's good for like an attraction match where it's so different, like it's so fast, it's so energetic. But if you're seeing it literally every show and you're seeing the same six guys every show, then it starts to get boring. But, well, considering you have three of your executive vice presidents in the match, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they talk their boss into it. They're like, oh, yeah, this will be yeah. great. Oh, yeah. What I liked about, and they did the best of seven again with, uh, well, they had been won Booker again in WWE for the U.S. title in 05, 06, something. Yeah. And uh, then they did it with Sheamus and uh, Claudio before they started yeah. teaming up. But what I liked about the Sheamus-Claudio one is that they were also doing, and the same thing with Booker and Cena when they did their best of five, I think it was. They would do some of the matches on house shows. So you weren't getting yeah. that match every week on TV. It was like they'd do it on, say, SmackDown. Then on the weekend loop, they would do another one. And then, like, the next weekend at the pay-per-view, they'd, do one, they'd space it out a little bit more. So you weren't watching five matches. You were only watching two or three of them. And that's something where AEW's missing having a house show loop. They're not, they don't do live events, so they're just doing TVs. So it would almost do them well to have a couple of these matches on dark or on elevation on on youtube you know just uh yeah i mean plus then you can see how much they actually draw if you're Tony. see yeah. what your viewership goes up you know say we're gonna have these six guys on dark come watch dark make a big deal about it and then see how much your viewership pops up yeah and see if they're cool. worth the money you're paying them yeah both uh, both times i went to a dynamite and this is like the first couple months that they were on. It was like November, December of 19. 
and both times they they take the uh, dark after dynamite's off the air but both times they had omega on dark uh i think one night he wrestled janela one night he wrestled kip sabian but he was the last thing on like last thing in the ring was kenny omega which kip sabian so, was um, back for a cup of coffee too coffee. and then he seems to be gone again yeah, I don't know what happened with that because Peck turned heel, so he's got nobody to work with. Now oh, Peck's the hammer man. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, the trios thing, I'm kind of over it just because I'm, I'm in the very, I know I'm in the uh, vocal minority when it comes to not caring about the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega. Could care less. I, I think they're mostly all hype. They have about four moves in between them, and they just do them on repeat. Same thing I feel about Jay, Jimmy and Jay Uso. They just, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. I'm just tired of seeing it. So I could care less what they do. Yeah, that's where Sami Zayn is so valuable with the, the Usos. He's giving them that new wrinkle that. Makes them a little bit, uh, a little bit different, yeah. you know. But uh, you uh, talk about Pack, and he's got the uh, doing the trios thing. I'm still waiting for him to get a significant run with a singles title there, because you watch him in the ring. He's, and I, I put Scorpio Sky in this conversation too. He's probably the most consistently like solid guy they got in the ring. You never oh. see him make a lot of mistakes. He never like when he he'll do the flippy shit, but he's got such good body control that it looks like it's easy. And he always lands on his feet, both figuratively and literally. And and he can wrestle on the mat. He can do the submission stuff. He can do the the technical stuff. I, I don't know why he's not at very least the team in the TNT picture right now. I don't know. Well, they had him with the uh, what is it that intercontinental belt or whatever it is. Yeah, the All Atlantic Championship, and that was, and they had him going back to the UK and going all over the world defending it. But that doesn't do a yeah. lot of good on dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You're gonna have to figure out too. But with Pac and with all these guys, now you have a reformed, resurgent, re-energized House of Black. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point Tony had to make some promises to get those guys to stick around. Because I, uh, I'm i guessing that even though, you know, they're back and everybody thought they were all gone, I'm sure there were rumblings about, hey, you're not doing anything with us. And they wasn't. And that, no. that faction's too good just to be doing so nothing. Good. Even Julia... Yeah. Julia Hart, yeah. Julia Hart came a long way. Yeah. So she was, I don't know about in ring. Yeah, I don't know about in the ring, but character-wise, doing good stuff. Yeah, that's it. She doesn't have to be in the ring. You know, she can just do what she's been doing, like on the outside. You know, distraction spots and all that stuff. But yeah, there's not a there's not a weak link in the House of Black. Everybody in that group is so good. Uh, Buddy Matthews, I've said for years, is one of the most underrated guys in the business in the ring. Yeah. Uh, 
Malachi, you know, his work speaks for itself. Just going, even going back to NXT, he just, you know, he's got that whole package where everything he does is interesting. You know, the look, the entrance, the the way he wrestles, the way he talks. You know, he could very easily be a top guy in AEW, and I think he should be. Yeah. But they've got such a logjam of uh, big, finger uh, quotes, big stars in AEW right now. It's hard to get a leg up sometimes, you know. So when you got your Jerichos and your Moxleys, and I don't want to say all the ex WWE guys because Black is one of those guys too, but yeah. it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of squeeze into that that top echelon in AEW right now, especially I, now that Kenny's back. I would guess. I mean, this hits back on the pay per view, but the acclaim's got to have somebody. And they gotta have a big heel because they're such huge faces. So I mean, House of Black seems to be probably the best option at this point to take the titles off them and be and come out bigger heels for it because there's not gonna yeah. hurt. That wouldn't hurt. I mean, right now the acclaim don't need titles right now. They're so over. Yeah. Just have them show up on TV. They are basically DX right now. When DX, all they ever did was come out and talk. So, yeah. And Lord knows I could not stand the New Age Outlaws, but they are much better than the New Age Outlaws were. In the ring, definitely. And maybe not a coincidence that uh, Billy Gunn is with them. I think I got to take a picture of my cat to uh, tell on her to my wife because she is misbehaving right now my studio is in the living room and my cat likes to mess with the christmas tree which was cute when she was a kitten but now that she's fat and you know yeah borderline dangerous it's not so good but uh yeah so so, so sorry about they claimed soraya MJF, oh, the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus? No, they're split. They, uh, well, they had the cage I match. mean, they had a match on the pay-per-view, the cage match. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah, that was a that was a that was a good match. I mean, for what it was, it's you no know, cage match. It's gonna be a spot fest with those two guys. Luchasaurus didn't hurt anybody, which is a pleasant surprise. Uh, he's, he tends to work a little, uh, a little sloppy in the ring sometimes, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So then you got that, you got Jaden, the Nyla Rose, which was, you know, for what it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know what to do with Jade. Yeah, I mean, She's still on a win streak. I guess you keep her where she's at. But eventually you run out of people to run through that wood chipper. Yeah. And right now you have Jamie Hayter, who is really over, really good. And she's going to be doing a program with Britt. Uh, I don't know where you put Soraya. If, yeah. she's, if you put her at the bottom of the division and have her work her way up. But 
even if she is 100%, she's on probably on some version of borrowed time. Yeah. So you might want to get what you can out of her while she's there. So, but I'm not sure if I want to put Soraya in the ring with Jade. Because Jade is like a little that. stiff. Yeah, she's <laughs> a little still sloppy. Green. Yeah. Still pretty green. <laughs> so. That's the thing. I, that's, with the women's division, they're, they've got a lot of talent in that women's division, but they've also got a lot of room for improvement with a lot of the girls. <laughs> and uh, unless you want to turn Soraya heel, then because then you can put her with like a Ruby Riot or a Tony Storm and have some pretty, probably some pretty dang good matches out of that. But yeah, then, but I don't see them putting her with like a Nyla Rose or a Jade anytime soon. Especially no. having, having one match back, you know, you don't know how to paraphrase the Christmas story, how fragile she is right now, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, neck injuries are nothing to fuck with. I mean, I think that's why they never let her back in the ring of WWE. They didn't want to take the chance. I mean, I get you know, her wanting to come back and getting a second opinion and all that. But yeah, it's nothing it's nothing to take lightly to have a, a serious neck injury like she had. And so I think they want to take it easy with her just to maximize the time they've got with her. Yeah. All right. So I think we've squeezed about all we can out of full gear without talking about the main event, which uh, I think everybody saw it coming with Regal when he came down there after the referee took a, took the bump. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm good with Max being champion. I hope he has a long run with it. But I just didn't. And I liked the business he did with Regal before, like when they were doing the promos in the ring on Dynamite. I thought that was yeah, really good stuff. But just having them paired together just seemed it didn't it just didn't jive with me. It just MJF doesn't need a Regal. Regal didn't need an MJF. And uh yeah, it's just I think MJF he would have done fine just by himself without a group, even if he wanted to. Yeah. Maybe give him one heater. Maybe give him a, a W Morrissey or a, a like somebody like a Willie Hobbs to be his heater. But yeah. It just seemed like they were just They've fast-tracked everything, which Tony has been known to do, to just take a, a hot angle, in this case, Regal going with MJF, fast-tracking it just a little over a week to to have him take Regal out when nobody knows. And everybody's got their theories about Regal. Is he done? Is he still have three years on his contract? Did he only sign a one-year deal? Nobody can – I can't get a definitive – like for sure of any of the anybody online, you know, and you know, can anyway, no dirt sheets. But everybody has a different theory, and I don't know what the case is. But well, I'm sure if it's a one-year deal, Triple H has reached out. I can almost guarantee oh. it. Oh, I'm sure. And it would depend yeah. on what Regal is looking to put in the bank for retirement. What he's really wanting to do. Because Michaels is pretty much running NXTs, but if 
I don't know if he gets to go back and work with the kids, but he's working with a lot of people in AEW right now, wow. kind of filling that same role. So it's a, uh, it'll probably come down to how much, how much is how much. Yeah. With the, all the NXT guys that are up on the main roster now, I could almost see him going up in like a GM capacity on the main roster if he was to go back. Because, I mean, Adam Pierce is doing what he can, but yeah, he's not the most respected official backstage when you watch television. He tries to throw his weight around and people kind of just blow him off almost sometimes. They, they don't do that with Regal. Regal's a respected veteran, you know, and not saying Pierce isn't, but Regal's got that aura about him. And when a British guy yells at you, it tends to have a little more weight to it than a Chicago guy. Yeah. Hey, knock it off there. You know, that doesn't sound as good as if yeah. it's a, a Regal. <sighs> I may have made a spectacle of myself there. All right, so I think we can move on from the uh, Full Gear Gerald, and let's talk about Survivor Series a little bit. I've Overall, I thought it was a, a good show. I had some issues with some of the things in there. But uh, <clears throat> overall impressions of, of the show from you? Um, they, the women's match was, man, like, <clears throat> you just got Bailey back. And I can't remember the spot. It was like a powerbomb spot that, like, Bianca Belair spiked her, basically. And, and those matches, to me, are just invitations for people getting hurt. And you've got ten people with the chance of getting hurt in each of those matches. Because mm-hmm. you have all that plunder. You, you're going through ladders. You're jumping off cages. It's just... While they're fun to watch, I'm glad they only do them once a year because yeah. it's just it's a lot of dumb. But it, I mean, it was a good blow off. So the, I, I like the women's the the men's was of course you got your your big Sami Zayn not turn. But just being cemented into the, yeah, being cemented into the Usos. I don't know where you go from there, though. Like, there would be a part of me if 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 you gave me the book and the money, and you told me, hey, who at this point where are you going to have take the belt, one of the belts off Roman? I'm saying Sami Zayn. And I'm, I'm saying, like, you get him in a match, do it like a three-way or a four-way. Roman brings Zane in on purpose because he knows he's one of his guys. Uh-huh. Making it like a two-on-one or, you know, and then Zane screws him, takes the title, and runs away. <laughs> and, be a very uh, thing to do. Yeah. So that's what I would do. Because where else are you going to go? At yeah. this point, uh, there's nothing else for Sammy to do. 
he's going to be Sammy. He's going to be running around. He's going to be mouthing off. He's already proven himself. You can do that for another month or so. That's fine. But I don't know. Uh, of course, I don't know what The Rock's going to be doing or if The Rock is coming to Mania or we'll know here in a few months. Um, I'm sure he'll make his appearance at Rumble or but it's all dependent on that. But I don't think Reigns needs either of the belts before he faces The Rock anyway. I think no. he needs them both gone. I'm with you. So I'm fine with him losing to whoever. Mm -hmm. You could have I would have a match where it was like, every, you know, all the belts are on the line. First fall goes, gets this belt. Second fall gets this belt. And you could give one to McIntyre and one to Zane. Give one to Owens, one to Zane. Uh, you could, I would, I would book that. I would say it was, a, you know, a three-way or a four-way with Owens, Zane, Reigns, and McIntyre. And then I would have. Uh, Rollins yeah, Rollins. And then have uh, have Owens win one title and then or have you know, whatever happened and then, you know, Owens and Zane turn on Rowan and screw him out of the belt. But I would give I Sammy a title right now. As he might as well. He's never going to. He's never going to be any hotter. No, definitely not. I had a thought before the pay per view, of, and if you really want to, if you really wanted to cement the bloodline as a heel group, which right now they're kind of on the fence. I mean, they're getting a lot of cheers out there. You know, they're over. You know, the old we the ones and the finger and all that stuff. They should have, after they won in War Games, they should have had Sammy go in for the hug with Roman. You know, Roman puts the arms out, and then as Sammy goes in, Roman just pop him, just nail him, and just knock him out. And yeah, and this is, and my theory is also dependent on their blood policy. I would have just bloodied the hell out of him, just run him into the cage, hit him with the chair, all that stuff, and just leave him a, just a heap in the ring. And that would get them their heat back. They could be the heels. And then I think they've already announced or they're close to announcing Owens and Roman at the Rumble for the uh, undisputed title. And, and that could be something where either Sammy helps Owens win, which is possible, or, or just Roman wins and then or Roman wins and Sammy comes out for payback afterwards. Yeah. Then maybe maybe he challenges Roman. Maybe he and Owens challenge the Usos. Maybe they take the tag belts off of them. Because they're about due. Also, they're a little over four hundred days. So. Oh yeah, they're they're past due. Yeah. But Owens and Zayn has always been a fun team. Uh, yeah. There's all kinds of options, but that's how I would have done it. I mean, at the risk of hot shotting an angle, but uh, this. Sammy Roman bloodline things been going for a few months now. I think if they were to end it, I think there's been enough time that they could do it without getting too much uh, backlash. 
what else was Finn and AJ was Finn and AJ. It wasn't really right. anything special. No, they're, they're never going to have a bad match with each other. No, because they're both be, really good at what they do. Yes. They're both very competent professional wrestlers. Yes. Which is what every wrestler wants to hear. You're very competent. Thank you. But uh, they're, but they're you had the very guy best guy in the You had the, the run-ins, which is expected. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I was a little surprised that AJ got the win. I thought they would have had Finn win because they're really heating up Judgment Day the last few weeks. But, uh, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what they're, when they're going to bring Edge and Beth back. Maybe they'll do that at Rumble. Possibly, maybe Mania. Yeah, maybe do a maybe tag like, match at the Rumble and Mania then have a. But uh, maybe a tag at the Rumble and then singles matches at Mania since you have two days to fill. <laughs> maybe that makes sense. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's coming, definitely. I mean. To have them come out like and be in the rumble, I mean, it, it's been done the last two years. They gotta give them something a little bit different. But yeah, you could easily do something. Even Dominic and Rhea against Edge and Beth at the Rumble. But I still, I still want to see Dominic and Ray at Mania uh, in a mass versus yeah. match. Especially it's after that. Hey, it's a lucha tradition, yeah, man. It is. Man. That, and that'd be a way to heat up Dominic, have him win, take Ray's mask, walk around with it like a trophy for for a while. Finally get that mask off of Ray because he never should have had it back to begin with because he lost it in WCW. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but leave it to Vince McMahon to say, oh, that never happened, pal. <laughs> you know? I don't even remember what else is on that show. I do. Uh, well, the best match of the night for me was the three-way for the U.S. title. Rollins, Theory, oh, and Lashley. I like the uh, Theory one. I like how Theory one. It was one yeah. of those, you know, you don't expect it. You, you thought that, I honestly thought that Lashley was going to win going into the show. Because, you know, he's he's built like a brick shit house and he runs through everybody. But the fact that they had it where Lashley did the dirty work for Theory to get the pin. I like, because it makes Theory that much more of a scumbag of a heel. And I love what they're doing with Theory now. Like, kind of giving him the attitude change and he's not the goofball with the cell phone anymore and all this business. And uh, it's almost like they used... I'm not going to say that him cashing in was a bad booking decision because I kind of get it. But all the fans are... Talk, oh, Triple H made a mistake, and now he's trying to backpedal, saying that he meant to do this. How do you know he didn't? You know, he didn't make a mistake. Quarterback, huh? He didn't make a mistake. He just realized the kid wasn't ready yet. Like I, like a lot of people realize, hey, this kid's not ready yet. He's he's going to be at some point, but it's just not. Who are you really going to have him take a title off of Reigns? You're gonna have Austin Theory take one of Roman Reigns' titles. That's why I like no, uh, Theory promo a couple weeks ago so much. Because 
Theory came out and cut a promo saying, you know, I could have cashed in on Reigns, but you can't get to him without going through everybody. And if I cash in, they're going to just screw me over anyway. And they're trying to build up the U.S. title as the top belt on Raw. So why not have them cash in on that? It it just makes sense to me that way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I like what they're doing with both of those belts, the U.S. and the Intercontinental. They're really building them up to be like the main belts on the show because the world titles aren't getting defended on TV. It's just on pay-per-views pretty much. So now they got Gunther going to defend against the winner of the World Cup, which I think they decided tomorrow. And then, yeah, Theory's doing uh, doing his business on Raw with uh, with Rollins and Lashley and all these guys. And they're really building up the prestige more for the, for those, which I've been wanting them to do for years. But it almost seems like Vince put the briefcase on Theory because he thought he was going to be the next big, big uh, flash in the pan. I don't, and I, it's like Triple H, as soon as he took it, it was like, okay, how can I get the briefcase off of Theory? Yeah. You know? So well, I, I mean, I'm sure had, there was a, I'm sure there was a part of it that was just, hey, you're Vince's dude. Sorry. I got to do this. Right. I, it, I, I can't have you running around here like you own the place. Because <laughs> the guy who does did own the place is gone now. Right. <laughs> so. I gotta, I gotta put this, put my stamp on this, and you're my, you're, you're the unfortunate recipient of my stamp. So, yeah, and it's not a case. Of everybody always, for years, they've always talked about Triple H burying people. I don't think this is a burial, or the cat, the fail cat. No, he would He wouldn't have a title at all. He would be jobbing out to everybody. It's not, not being buried. He's just being, he's being built. Yeah. Instead of just being shot to the top, he's being built into a competent, like his a slow burn. his promos his promos weren't good. No, they, they were they were bad. These last few have not been bad. He's got a little bit of fire in his eye. Mm-hmm. His in ring work's got a little bit of grit on it now, which helps. Yeah. So this is good for him and his entire career. Yeah, I agree, and yeah, it was like, and I'm not saying that. He's getting, he was like, they didn't bury because they put the belt on him. As soon as he uh, uh, lost that cash in, that's when everybody came out of the woodwork saying, Oh, he's getting buried. They didn't wait a week to see what's going to happen. Like, they're so used to Vince, like, everything happens now. Next week doesn't matter. But you're, with the Triple H, it seems, like he's, it seems like he's much more into like the slow burn. On the you're average example. wrestling. Your average wrestling fan is just dumb. That's what it is. Like they're just they all they know is what they've seen every week. And they don't think any other way. They think within these little boxes. And which is you know what that's actually good for the industry. Because you don't have to wow people all the time because they're not going to appreciate it anyway. They have what, like, it's a kind of the same thing with music or movies or books. There's only so many ways to tell a story, to write a song. Every every chord progression has probably been used at this point. Every match idea has been used at this point. There's nothing yeah. 
new under the sun. There's, we've been around doing what we're doing as humans way too long to get anything super over on people. So you, you kind of let old stuff become new stuff again. And I think that's what Triple H is doing. I, I think Vince was just stuck in his just mindset of he was just trying to make the most PG just white toast product he could because he wanted to get sponsorship. He was building this and that. But what he wasn't realizing was he was losing viewers. He was losing attendance. And he was just like, oh, they'll come back. I don't think they would have. From what I'm seeing, people are coming back to shows and to, to pay-per-views. Like their attendance has been, it looks like it's been way up. Yeah. Um, so people are responding to people showing back up to newer storylines that are basically old storylines that are being told better than they were. Um, you got people with a little more freedom on the mic. And just little stuff like that. Triple H doesn't have to be a genius. He just doesn't. If he just doesn't screw this up, he'll be fine. Yeah. Like Tony Khan, same way. Just don't screw it up and you're going to be fine because you have your own segmentation of fans. Like there's, I watch everything just because I am programmed to watch wrestling. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of fast-forwarding. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a guy who does a wrestling podcast every other week and talks wrestling all the time. But there's a lot of fast-forwarding. There's a lot of, like, I've seen this, and then it's like, spot, spot, spot. Oh, what was that? Oh, what was that spot? And that spot? Okay, I get it. Okay, and now they're talking. I'll listen to them talk, you know, get the storylines across. And then I'm like, oh, I want to see this match. And I'm like, oh, that was good. But... It takes, it takes a lot for me to really get into something. And some matches this year have done it, which mm -hmm. there have been years, especially the last few years, where no match really lit a fire, where I was like, oh, that was, that was excellent. But Danielson has had some just bangers. Um, uh, Punk versus MJF and the dog collar match was good. So, like, AEW's come through. But now in uh, WWE, there's been some storylines and some matches. Like, every time Maria Ripley's on screen, I want to find out what she's doing. Because she is just elevated to a different spot. Um, Dominic's even becoming interesting. Because he wasn't before. Um, I... I I care that Austin Theory is a living, breathing person. Like, I just didn't care before. I, I knew he was on my screen, but I, I, that's, I didn't care. Um, but now I'm starting to, like, say, hey, this is actually a decent storyline, and these are things that I want to pay attention to. So, yeah, I, I overall... I think the business is trending in a, in a very good way. Um, even TNA, not TNA, Impact, 
with the whole bully Ray turn on Josh Alexander. Mm -hmm. I actually want to, I actually want to see where that's going. Um, because I know bully can pull things out of people. Um, there's a few people on their roster that I, I kind of want to know what they're going to do with like the violent by design stuff because yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Eric, Eric, uh, young fan. And I don't know. I know triple H liked him a lot. So I'm wondering if maybe there's been feelers put out for that. The comebacks in some capacity, maybe be an agent or, but Eric seems to want to work. So like the business on the whole, has a lot of growth potential right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't see a whole lot of crossover. Like, there's a lot of segmented fan base, which is kind of weird. It's all wrestling. Yeah. Uh, what else was on Survivor Series, Marcus? Uh, it wasn't, wasn't much. I mean, there's only five matches on the show, and I think we covered... I mean, there's Shotzi and Ronda, but that match kind of speaks for itself. Oh, hey, there it is. <laughs> you were saying that you don't regress in the ring. Ronda Rousey has got worse. <laughs> there, I didn't think it was possible because she was she was green when she first started, but then she by the end of her first run, she was competent. Like she was very mm-hmm. competent. She was hitting stuff. Her promos were much better. She took that time off. She came back, and I think whoever was writing her promos just didn't know her voice. Mm-hmm. Her promos have gotten better over the last few weeks because she's a much better heel than she is a baby. Agreed. Got to let her be a heel. Mm-hmm. But her in-ring work is awful, and it's just bad. Like it, that match, yeah. like Shotzi did nothing wrong. No. Like Shotzi carried, tried to carry that match. And Shotzi worked yeah. her ass off. Shayna worked her ass off on the outside. Yeah. But there was nothing either of those two could do to save how bad that match was. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous that I don't know. It's far be it for me to know the mind of another person, but it's, I, I think she's just so busy doing other stuff besides wrestling that she is not putting the time in. And if she is putting the time in and she's still this bad, then she needs to step away from the ring. Because it's bad. It's just bad. It's bad, bad. Like, I don't know how you how you even use her to elevate somebody at this point because she's bad. In the, she's so bad in the ring. Uh, you, had, you had the belt on Liv, and you took it off of Liv, put it back mm-hmm. on Ronda. Now, who are you going to have it take her off of Ronda? Like, you built Ronda Rousey up to be this this beast. Unless you're going to have, I mean, I'm hoping they have Shayna take it from her. That would be my pick. But Ronda is really bad. It's just, she... <laughs> I know she's talented. She's she's a judoka. She she's a, a actual fighter. I know she has actual 
athletic ability in there somewhere. I just don't know if she's ever really taken wrestling seriously enough to to want to elevate to where the the other people are. Gary, I think my cat heard your cat, and she's come over here. She's like, I hear a cat. Yeah, I don't know what's yeah. going on. I think your cat is offended by your Rhonda take. Well, it could be. <laughs> well, I, I tend to agree with you. I like that they've got Rhonda with Shayna as a unit right now, but I think that does lead to Shayna challenging Rhonda. Either, I'm thinking maybe a mania. Maybe have Shayna win the Rumble and... Uh, same idea you were saying with Roman and Sammy. Ronda said, oh, well, you're going to challenge me. You'll just lay down and I'll get a night off. And then Shayna's like, fuck that, and actually beat her. And, yeah. Know, finally make her look strong after two or three years of her just looking like a afterthought when she really yeah, shouldn't I, be. Well, I'm sure Vince would look at her like, oh, you're not, you're not tall and blonde. And jacked. I wouldn't do You actually that. look like a real person. <laughs> we can't have a real person as our champion. Perish the thought. But Perish the thought. Well, Somebody have, who eats, breathes, and sleeps wrestling, mm-hmm. who is trained in catch wrestling. But Billy Robinson. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's not, let's not have her as our champion. But you and saw where the division was going. Too. You saw where that yeah. division was going, though, when Vince was quit. It was going back to Diva Land. Yeah. It was, you it was had two, two pay per views away from Braun Panning matches again. Yeah, it was awful. And then you see all the women in NXT, mm-hmm. but now you've seen them get paired down to people who can actually work. And they're working better, and it's not just this or that, or that you're not just walking. You know, you have to be able to do what you're out there to do. Triple H taking that division over was the best thing to ever happen to it. It was, it was heading in a horrible direction. Yes, I agree. Well, Gary, there's something I've been. I don't know how much you watch of NXT, but. Uh, I want to get your take on this Iron Survivor Challenge business that they're building up for, uh, I think, for the next takeover. It seems kind of convoluted, just from what I've seen of it. Uh, have you heard about this at all? I saw them talking about it. About okay. They had to pick five people. I, and... want to, I, want to read, I want to read the rules to you, just so, because I want to see. Number one, I want to see your facial expression. But uh, so here you go. Iron Survivor Challenge match is a special 25-minute match with five wrestlers competing in the ring. The match takes us some aspects from Iron Man matches, War Games, and Impact's King of the Mountain match to create a whole new format. It already seems like a uh, just a mess. <laughs> just from That's being a that cluster. Yeah. Just a cluster waiting uh, <laughs> The match starts with two wrestlers. Like a War Games match, one wrestler will enter the match every five minutes. To win the match, wrestlers have to earn points through pinfall, submissions, and disqualifications in 25 minutes. So I guess that's the Iron Man aspect. Uh, These two parts of the format come from the Iron Man match. Okay, I should have kept reading. 
Also, when a wrestler gets pinned, submits, or gets disqualified, he or she will have to spend 90 seconds inside a penalty box. That's the King of the Mountain aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, format and rules, five wrestlers will compete. They bet each other and the clock. Two minute wrestle start. No foreign objects, steel chairs, ladders, or other type of equipment are allowed to be used in the match and will cause disqualification. Uh, a wrestler earns a point through pinfall submissions and DQs. It seems pretty cut and dry. The wrestler with the maximum points at the end of 25 minutes will be the winner and will get number one contendership for the NXT championship and the women's championship. So it looks like they're doing two of these one for the men, one for the women. And uh, I didn't watch NXT Tuesday. I was busy, but uh, I think they've announced most of the participants. But I haven't seen who is in it yet. There we go. I was. And, uh, I saw that they were supposed to, and I I don't know if I finished NXT. I think I fell asleep. To be honest with you, yeah. or okay, I was doing something else, and then. <laughs> I saw them yeah. like m- trying to figure out who they wanted. It was like Molly and Alunder Blaze and yeah. Trips, or they're not Trips, uh, Michaels, Michael. uh, Waltman, and Road Dog. Hmm. Yeah. They're all okay, trying so to make these, their decisions. Yeah. Okay, I got participants here. Uh, so far confirmed Carmelo Hayes, JD McDonough, Joe Gacy, and Grayson Waller. The final participant will be determined in three only match between Andre Chase, Axiom, and Von Wagner on next Tuesday's NXT. So, so there you go. And then the women's match, uh, Zoe Stark, Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, and Kiana James are announced for it. And same deal. Uh, the last participant will be determined on a three-way between Indy Hartwell, Wendy Chu, and Fallon Henley, who I think is the girl with the Cowboys. Yeah. The, the faux APA. So, yeah. The... Uh, not a bad lineup on either match, to be honest with you, from, from what I've seen. So I'm curious to see where it goes. But yeah, it's got clusterfuck written all over it. I, I do enjoy... Rules. I do enjoy NXT for the simple fact that people have jobs again. Not just yeah. like wrestlers, but like there's that one guy that was just a security guard. And now he's oh, a wrestler, Hank. Hank. And then there's Fallon, Hank. who she owns a bar. And that's where they met her. And then all of a sudden, she's a wrestler. Like, mm-hmm. Kiana James is a, is a runs her own corporation or something. And then wrestles basically on the side. So, so you like the location-based characters again. Yeah, there's, <laughs> like, you know, I mean... You, even your cult leader is kind of it's his job. It's not just he's not sure. just a wrestler who's a cult leader. He's a cult leader who wrestles. <laughs> well, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But, uh, but yeah, then you have know. like, you know, you have a guy who's a, a mafia boss who also wrestles. And right. So it's, I think some of that or a lot of that is holdovers from when Vince was in charge and now. Triple H kind of has to deal with it. Right. But I don't think that's horrible when you're building a character. I, I don't think that's something you can do once they're on the main roster. Mm-hmm. But while they're in NXT, if you're trying to help them figure out the character, immerse them a little bit more into it, that's not a horrible thing. No. 
let's give them a chance to find their uh, find their feet as far as building a character goes. And who knows? Maybe that's like what's her name? Maybe she actually they had worked at a bar before she got signed. So she's like, "Hey, what do you what do you know how to do?" I was like, "I know how to be a bartender. All right, do it." Well, they they've all, probably, they've all probably worked in a bar. <laughs> I'm sure, or or at least as a, a waitress or some in some sort of food service capacity when trying to make their bones in this business. But yeah, it takes me back to like Tail Hopper and Duke, Duke the Dumpster Drossy and Repo Man. All these guys that had the jobs outside of the ring. You know, Dusty oh, Rose, How many jobs did Dusty have? Uh, he was a pizza man, a taco man, garbage man, gas station man. Which, for my money, still my favorite vignettes ever done in WWF was those uh, early Dusty Rhodes ones in the late eighties. Yeah. Who's not to love Dusty? So, I want to get your take on something else I came across this week, Gary. Uh, Cole Cabana. Uh, I guess he had a, had an experience in his match with Chris Jericho. He says he almost died. Uh, from uh, He uh, made a mistake by wearing compression socks and then glazing up his boots very tightly over those aforementioned compression socks. And just cut off all the blood flow to his lower body, which, as 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 a mistake, it's not a good idea. That yeah. I, I hear the training staff told him so. Like, don't ever do that again. But he gets his first big match, and I don't know when against Jericho had a good match. It was a damn good match. I mean, I'm expecting nothing less out of Cabana, and then come back and find out, oh yeah, he almost almost died from circulation boss and i don't know you've you've been in locker rooms you've been finger quotes in in the business i don't want to short uh, short change what you did but did you ever have guys like that didn't know like the proper like how to prepare like with the with the year like not to use certain things yeah or using too much too much equipment like i'm at johnson with all of the pads and the and all that stuff. Oh, well, they wore a lot of costumes and stuff, and it became difficult. But, like, even with me, like, I would wear knee pads and, um, and like, under the, under my pants, and I was just socks. And, but, you know, it's just, you can't wear those all day, but you'd have guys that would tape up way too early. And like then their hands would start, you know, getting a little blue, <laughs> just oh. losing circulation. And I, you can over gear. I don't know how people do the. They have like the boots, the kick pads, and then they'll have like the shin. They'll have the pads on top of that, like the Ric Flair style, which I don't know what it's for. And if you're gonna have knee pads, wear them on your knees. I. I understand wanting as much. Com- like as many layers of protection as possible because landing on your knees is a young man's game. <laughs> like you want, you should always wear knee pads, always wear elbow pads. But right. my buddy Josh would say say different. He never did, <laughs> but he was a he was a big believer in just hitting people. So it wasn't right. <laughs> really like didn't really matter, but. I, oh. I 
I think you see a lot of the guys who I don't that's just weird that Cabana would start doing a lot of those guys are so like superstitious in what they wear and how they wear their gear and when do they get ready and how they even tie their boots that him putting on a new piece of gear is just an odd and it's almost odd to me yeah Larry's a used the same bootlaces for 25 years yeah. which is impressive that he could keep track of them for that long but yeah, he, he said in the I think he was doing commentary with Shivani during a I forget what match it was, but he said he always used the exact same bootlaces from the time he broke in. And uh, it's just I don't know if it's superstition or they were maybe they were just really good bootlaces. But uh, or he was just yeah, super cheap, <laughs> super cheap maybe. But yeah, you look at and I keep coming back to Ahmed Johnson because he had the knee pads. He had the shin pads, the elbow pads. He had the pad over his triceps. He was literally like he was still playing football. Yeah. And it I, didn't help his work. <laughs> no. I mean, I know a lot of guys wear the, the arm sleeves now because they've had arm problems, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm of the opinion still that I don't understand why guys get like full sleeve tattoos because to me, like that takes away from the look of the musculature. I mean, it's your body. You do what you want, but to see like all the work you've put in, but if you cover it up with black ink, Mm. it's then it's hard to to make that all out again. Cause like undertaker never looked as big as he was because he was just completely covered in tattoos like he always just kind of looked like a dude in tattoos like randy orton dude's chisel out of stone but doesn't look that big even though he's a pretty big dude like it's just so if you're going to cover yourself in expressionary art that's fine but then if you're also going to like cover yourself in padding then I think you're missing out on the whole point of, you know, the body side of professional wrestling. Right. I never, uh, I never got uh, Scott Steiner getting all tatted up. He's like, look at him now. He's number one. He's got the uh, the penis shaped sword on his chest, which I won't tell him that to his face. And then he's got like almost like tribal tattoos up and down his arms now. It's like, come on, man, you get the biggest arms in the business and you can cover it up. Well, he, and I'm not knocking tattoos. I mean, I'm. A, I know several people who've got the tattoos, but I mean, Scotty from from the majority of his career had nothing. He was just he had the peaks. Yeah, driving the well. It might be now because well, his career is basically over now, and he's he. I think he's completely off the gas at this point, so he's Mm -hmm. shrunk quite a bit. So I think the tattoos are probably to cover up losing muscle and he may wrestle in a shirt now yeah yeah but he's like what he's he's gotta be 60 right uh he's gotta be at least close to yeah no actually i'll tell you i've got wikipedia at my disposal here if he's not rick definitely is 
as Scott Steiner. He is 60 years old. Well, he had, that, he had that injury or that surgery where he got sliced open, and then he lost a lot of musculature in his chest from that. And uh-huh. so he never really was the same after that. So yeah. I'm sure he just kind of knew he was on the downhill from that point. Yeah. That's, that's fair. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I know it's a matter of preference and I, I don't want to sound like an old buddy there because I don't have any tattoos myself. I'm not against it, but just, I just with me, I know if I got one, like the next day I would second guess it. It's like, I, do I really want this? <laughs> and I, unless I can think of something that I'm really down for, I'm probably never going to get a tattoo. But, yeah, I don't. I've always said there's nothing I care about enough to have in my body for the rest of eternity. Because if it's my wife or my if it's my wife or my parents, they're already there. Why? Why do I need something? <laughs> Constantly Plus, you run the risk of finding a tattooist who is not good at spelling, and you're going to wind up with some sort with regrets. No dirt, no regrets, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You'll end up with regrets. Big, big Daddy. There was a basketball yeah. player from Oklahoma State that had Big Daddy on his arm. He was, his nickname was Big Daddy, but they misspelled it. So from then on, he was Big Daddy. Which just tickled me to no end when it happened. And, uh, but I digress. I think we may have careened down another wormhole, Gary. So yeah. I'm going to try and get us back into uh, back on track here, and I'm going to do that with our uh, jumping the rail Hall of Fame. We're doing it again. Here we go, right there. Our fancy badge, and I gotta say, I cl- I've, I made this logo pretty damn classy, if I do say so myself. So, uh, it's Survivor Series time, so I figured uh, the guy I picked this uh, this week. Kind of synonymous with the Survivor Series, debuted there, had some of his big matches there, for all intents and purposes, retired there. And you talked about him earlier, Gary, but here you go. I don't have a drum roll, so there you go. I couldn't think of which picture to use, so I used all of them. And uh, so we're putting The Undertaker in, uh, kind of a no-brainer, you know, everything he's done in the last... 32 years has basically screamed Hall of Fame. I'm not going to say Texas Red was a bad gimmick, but uh, but yeah, just Undertaker's the greatest character Vince ever came up with, uh, hands yeah. down. Yeah, me uh, could only have worked with one guy, and that's Mark Calloway. Yeah, uh, Punisher Dice Morgan. <laughs> Dice Morgan, yes, yeah. Mean Mark, which Mean Mark yeah, Mark Tavis, one of the skyscrapers. Some well, it's a guy in WCW said he was never going to draw a dime. Holy, Holy Anderson said he wouldn't draw, so he let him go. This is just uh, another example where always maybe a little bit out of touch. Slightly. Yeah, I don't like. He's, he's one of those guys where he's one of those guys where you look at him, and he could do anything in the ring. He was a giant dude. He could. He was super athletic, and I just don't know if he was too athletic, and they didn't know what to do with him. And Vince finally figured it out. But man, that's a 
that's a gimmick that should never work. Not let alone work for 30 years or however long he was actually the Undertaker. That, that was, was from 1990 to 20, basically from 20, for 30 years, 2020 to 100 or so. Yeah, because it should work. WrestleMania with AJ, so. But uh, if you had to pick Gary, and he's like I said, he tried out a lot of looks. I'll show you the picture again here. Which one was your favorite Undertaker? I think mine would probably be the uh, the biker, the uh, American Badass. It was the most authentic, I think, uh, version. Oh, you like the biker taker? Yeah, I did. Um, kind of looks like me, doesn't he? No. Probably. Not, well, I mean, I have a lot of good memories of early Undertaker. I still remember, like, the the match where all the villains jumped him and threw him in the coffin. And <laughs> the light. Yeah, Rumble 94. And so that was a lot of fun. Then you had the fake fake Undertaker. and There was, like, this window where I really liked him. Like, he was still kind of wearing the gloves, but he wasn't. And um, right before, like, the ministry stuff, because I have a feeling he had just kind of given up during the ministry stuff. He just didn't seem as motivated. He wasn't as yeah. fit. He just... He just wore the I, big I, robe I, all the time. Yeah. Tried to marry so, like, Biker Taker was... He was... I mean, that's probably my... Probably... T- up right up there um, doing the last ride. He had a lot of really good matches. Probably, well, let's see. I think my favorite Undertaker was the era where he was wrestling Bret Hart. And that would like translate into like when Kane showed up. Because... 97. Yeah. When he was just on the, the... the verge of breaking into like breaking out of the Undertaker gimmick into the American Badass gimmick. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's probably it's probably all right in that little pocket right there. He mm-hmm. did a lot of really good work. He could always get promos. He was having really good matches with a lot of people. Yeah, I remember when he debuted the Biker at. Uh... Judgment Day in 2000. I loved the program with him with the uh, McMahon DX group. You know, just the way he was working with with Vince and trying to run him over with the motorcycle, and then uh, the matches he had with like with Triple H and later on with Kane. But I think my favorite Taker matches from that period, and that was the match with Triple H from WrestleMania 17, which uh, and I always liked Undertaker before then. But that one, I think that's the match that really put him over the top for me as being one of my favorite guys on on the card. Because before that, I was always big into, like, Bret Hart, you know, uh, Steve Austin, obviously. But then this more the fact they gave him, like, a more realistic character, which isn't even a character. It's basically just him. And yeah. he was able to make that work, and it just kind of put him over the top for me there. And I was kind of bummed when he brought back the dead man in you know, 2004. It seemed like he, it seemed like a step back at first, but he—I mean, I'll be damned if he didn't make it work. I think it was just 
a case of people being ready for it again. Yeah, and they were wanting I think that old gimmick it. back. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I think Taker might have been. I think Taker was tired of it when he changed, and then I, I think it took a little bit of selling from Pritchard to get him to agree to do it again. But then once he once he got back into, I think he was he was good with it. But uh, I was like, I was going to say something, but I forget. Uh, oh, uh, your favorite Undertaker match? Put you on the spot oh, it's a little bit. Michael's Taker one from WrestleMania twenty five. Because it's probably my favorite match of all time. With the exception of the dive onto Jimmy Snooker's kid, it was a perfect match. Yeah. Yeah, that almost killed him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the sound of the camera breaking was his neck when I yeah. first saw the match. But yeah, that match was damn near perfect. Uh, I love the matches he had with Triple H after that at WrestleMania. The Hell in the Cell, the No Holds Barred match. Uh, the match with Diesel at WrestleMania. All of his best matches were WrestleMania, believe it or not. I mean, no surprise there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the match with Bundy wasn't great. The uh, <laughs> Hell in a Cell with Boss Man left something to be desired. But there was, uh, I mean, as he got older, he just seemed to get better until uh, the very end until when he, he wrestled Goldberg. Yeah. Until he stopped getting better. Yeah, it's just... He had those matches with Lesnar that weren't bad, but he was actually getting hurt in them. And you could just tell that it was taking him longer and longer to recover and just wasn't moving the same way. And I wish he would have stepped away way before he did. Um, the last ride match that he did with AJ was really, I mean, it was it was perfect for what his character was and what they wanted to do to send him off. Yeah. So I'm glad he finally actually stepped away with that. Yeah, I still hear people say, oh, I wish he'd come back and have one more match. I don't. I mean, no. I, I'm I sure if the Twister's armor gave him the right amount of money, he'd come back and do it. But, I mean, and yeah, I know his last match wasn't in front of fans, so people say, oh, he should have one more match in front of the fans. I mean, it was a perfect send-off. They literally had him riding off into the sunset on his motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, well, if you want to have sunset. him come back from, if you want to have him come back from Mania and choke slam some people, go, sure. you know, do that to your heart's content. It's just like Austin's kind of got the itch to do matches again, like once or twice yeah. a year. That's that's fine, but you know, if I were Triple H, I would make sure that those weren't like. 30-minute Broadways like he put on with Owens. Like, yeah, that was, I think that was just Austin exercising some demons and realizing that, hey, I can still, <clears throat> I'm not going to be paralyzed after this. Right. And taking bumps on concrete, but like just That's working, nice. working a Steve Austin style match with a dude that loves Steve Austin. So mm -hmm. I don't know where you go from that. Like, if you, like, have tag matches or if you have him in matches, like, every match is going to kind of end up being the same thing. Because you can't have Austin look weak. Otherwise, why are you having him come back? 
But then again, if you're having this guy who wrestles once a year, beat people every year, mania, you know, like, what's what message are you sending to that? So, the uh, the period of having two night WrestleManias is the perfect time to do it if you're going to do it, because you're not really yeah. taking a spot from somebody to 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 get that to happen. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Austin, he was never. Like once he really blew up, a lot a lot of his matches were very similar. It was the same spots, you know, and and it worked. I mean, he was over like a, like crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, there's only so many people he can really work with nowadays. And like I said, he's he's not at the point where he needs to be beating everybody, and he's also at a point where he doesn't need to be putting everybody over. Yeah, and. Uh, not unlike Sting, but Sting still manages to beat everybody for some damn reason. Uh, but I, I digress. I, I don't want to get off on my Sting rant again. I tend to get yeah. in trouble when I do that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, and everybody said they should have had Taker versus Sting. I mean, after 2001, I didn't want to see it. It's just, they should, if they were going to do it, they should have brought Sting in during the invasion. But... I don't need to see a 62-year-old guy wrestle a 55, 56-year-old guy. And that's how Ric Flair has matches nowadays. Although Steamboat had a hell of a match, though, this past weekend. Yeah, that's what I, I saw. I went back on YouTube. Uh, it's, he's actually in damn good shape for, for his age. And I don't it makes think it even, it's, it makes it even funnier that he turned down Flair. <laughs> right. Probably because he knew that Flair could possibly die. And he's like, yeah. I don't want to be responsible for that. He's like, I can still work, Rick. <laughs> I don't need you to, to bring me down. Yeah. Steamboat also, hella nice guy. I met him a couple times. Couldn't be nicer. Uh, never met Flair, so I don't know that. It's probably couldn't afford him. At the, uh, at the old meet and greets. But... Uh, I digress. One of the belts I have actually Steamboat signed for me, so actually two of them. But I'm I'm digressing again. Uh, well, I think the only other order of business I've got, Gary, is uh, top ten Tuesday, or as I should say today, top ten Thursday. With my fancy editing skills there. And uh, look, sticking look with the Survivor Series theme on this one. What's that? I said, look at you go. I know. I'm I'm really <laughs> making a meal out of this, being able to put graphics up and all this stuff. So so our topic, we're sticking with the Survivor Series theme, Gary, and we're going greatest Survivor Series themes. And I tried to avoid using, like, actual, like, stables. Like, remember in 1997, every match was basically, like, DOA against the Nation of Domination and Truth Commission yeah. against such and such. So I tried to avoid that. I wanted to keep with kind of the random teams. If they all had the same manager, that'd be different. Like that's a different story because they didn't really team up that often, like on TV, which is what I love about Survivor Series. I wish they kind of go back to that. But again, I'm I'm rambling. So we're gonna get started here with number 10. From one of the more unusual Survivor Series matches, this is uh, from the wild card match. It's Dean Douglas, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Razor Ramon. 
uh, one of the few teams on this list that actually lost. But just four of my favorite guys on one team. Uh, Shane Douglas, notwithstanding, Shane Douglas, you know, he's one of my favorites. And then we we talked about how great Owen Hart is. We talked about Yokozuna, Razor, you know, so. In a fun match. Uh, I don't know if you remember their their opponents were Sid uh, Psycho Sid, British Bulldog, Ahmed Johnson, and Shawn Michaels. Uh, that's the one where that's like the night before Shawn collapsed in the ring on Raw and everybody panicked, thought he was dead because of the concussions. But uh, it was fun. Yoko was the last guy in. <coughs> uh, it was in the middle of Razor feuding with Douglas for the IC title. And uh, yeah, so it was a, it was a fun team. Uh, it was actually a fun Survivor Series that one in '95. That's the one where uh, Brett beat Diesel in the main event, and then Diesel beat the hell out of him, as he should, because you know he's awesome. And uh, yeah, so that's my number ten. My number nine. I'm going back a little farther. Uh, 1988. Uh, there you go. Andre the Giant, Dino Bravo, Mr. Perfect, Ravishing Rick Rude, and Harley Race. I mean, come on. I mean. That's if that's not a team of tough guys, I don't know what is. I mean, Harley Race himself could probably beat the other team, which, if I remember right, was Jake Duggan, Tito, Patera, and Scott Casey. I think was the opponents. Real all star team there. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, we never really talked about Harley Race, did we? Uh, Oh, Harley was awesome. I, yeah. I was late to the party with Harley, like from his early, like his NWA stuff. I, I grew up with him as the king, you know. Then I had to go back later and watch the stuff he did with, with Flair and Dusty and all those guys. But also one of my favorite managers when he managed Vader. Yeah. So he, was still, he was still taking the bumps. He was still doing the headbutt off the top rope when he needed to. And uh, also probably the only guy that other than Paul Orndorff that can straighten out Vader if he got a wild hair about him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, <coughs> excuse me, still getting over the tail end of my bronchitis, so I apologize to all you uh, listeners out there. Uh, this was Perfect's first big ma- big pay-per-view on this show. Uh, he wasn't with the genius, he wasn't with Bobby, he was just... Um, he was still using the Kurt Hennig name, actually. And, yeah, he was just kind of still finding his feet there because he'd only lost to Lawler a few months before this in the AWA. But uh, he wound up being him and Dino were the, uh, were the survivors in that match after Andre just bludgeoned Jake Roberts in the <laughs> in the ropes. Got DQ, didn't give a shit. <laughs> just good old-fashioned heel Andre, you know. And uh, then there's Dino Bravo. Oh, Dino Bravo. The Italian-Canadian strongman. And uh, not the most charismatic player in the world. No, but he had other stuff going on, Mark. He didn't have to be charismatic, too. He had a lot of irons on fire. (laughs) He, he He really did. And uh, went out in Bugsy Siegel fashion. 
just sitting on the couch watching TV and then lights out, you know. But uh, I didn't really appreciate Dino back then. It was it wasn't until I got a little older and I could really appreciate his work in the ring and how big he was. Because yeah, I mean, when when we were kids, he's running around with earthquakes, so it really makes him look smaller. But then you go back and watch him later on, and yeah, he's jacked, man. He's not a lot, not like ripped, but just built like a brick shit house. I I always use that term, but it really does apply to Dino. And uh, but yeah, so that's my number nine. Number eight might get me in a little bit of trouble with the uh, some of the fans out there. Nineteen ninety, get the Warriors, which is which I didn't get the joke in nineteen ninety, but later on I did. You got the Ultimate Warrior, the Road Warriors, and the Modern Day Warrior, Terry Von Erich, on one team. And uh, I don't know if you ever noticed this, Gary. I was I remember watching this match not too long ago. Oh, Warriors got a pair of trunks on, and on the back it says "The Only Warrior," <laughs> which I don't know if he's hey, just remember who's the boss here, boys, and which is yeah, all all the other three of the people in the match could have <laughs> any one of them on their own torn him apart. <laughs> yeah, in a Gary Gary wasn't a joke. Like those dudes worked hard. And, and very snug down in Texas, mm-hmm. and hawk and animal were were just way too strong for their own good. So. Especially hawk. Yeah. Especially when hawk got a little uh, medicine in him, yeah. and then he might get a get a little wild in, in the ring a little bit. So, but you know, this was a fun fun team. Uh, I know all the Ultimate Warrior fans would say they should be higher. Like, no, I think they're good. I mean, they got the win. They were, I think they were all champions. No, they weren't. Uh, Ultimate Warrior and Kerry were uh, champions. They were world champion, IC champions. The World Warriors hadn't won the tag titles yet. So that if they had all been champions, they might have been higher on the list. But, uh, but no, I, I thought it was good. And watching it back later, like after the fact, it, you really appreciated it more. Uh, I loved the stuff Kerry did with Perfect uh, on TV back then in 1990. It was just a very natural rivalry to me. And, uh, yeah, so that's my number eight. Uh, Number seven, going to 2006, uh, Team DX, Triple H, Michaels, the Hardys, and Punk. Uh, I put these guys on because they they won with nobody getting eliminated. It was kind of a squash. I didn't. I didn't really like the squash aspect of it because they were going up against Edge and Orton and uh, Morrison and Helms, the Hurricane, and I think Mike Knox was the other guy. But it just seemed like their match was just a. And I don't. I'm not going to say it was Triple H's call. But it was like. It was Triple let's H's put all baby faces on the show in one team and have them just beat everybody. <laughs> It seems kind of on brand with them. Uh, same deal, Punk's first big pay-per-view. Uh, he hadn't been on in the company for even six months at that point. And then they had just put the Hardys back together as a team. So, yeah, they were putting all the all the big guns on this team. And, uh, yeah, so I've got them 
if I was more of a fan of the Hardys, I might have had them higher on the list, but I'm really not a fan of the Hardy Boys. I've got a feeling you would agree with me on that. Oh, yeah. I, Matt's I don't, not mind, I don't mind Matt. Matt has, at least he has the ability to cut a promo. And he's fairly solid in the ring. He doesn't try to do anything way out of the box. Jeff has been sloppy since he was born, I'm guessing. <laughs> so it, when, I, when I first started watching them, I was like, oh, this is this is a really cool. But I was a lot younger, and I'd never seen people do what they were doing. Right. And then I saw it a few times. And I saw the first ladder match, you know, table, ladders, and chairs. And then after that, I'm like, oh, this is the same thing over and over and over. That, like, there's never been a Jeff Hardy match since, like, the 90s that's been any different to this day. No. Like, he'll do the same moves, almost in the same order, except they're sloppier now. Yeah. Which was... I, I don't know how that's possible. And I, and I don't know why people mark out for him so bad all the time still. But they do. So yeah. Then they took Michael Hayes to the hot topic and made him look ridiculous. Well, I mean, that that's funny. <laughs> that's, that's... I, I like the story where he was taking him to the... So it was like, we're going to get you some cowboy boots and some jeans. And they're like, no, nah, that's... That's your time. <laughs> this is the nineties. Yeah. We're gonna take. <laughs> they went to like the buckle or the hot topic or whatever kids shop at. I yeah. just shopped at Walmart. And uh, but yeah, so then Michael kind of gave him the rub a little bit before they uh, really blew up with Edge and Christian. But anyway, that's that's my take on the Hardys. I've never been a big fan, and we can just. I think we can just leave it at that. Uh, number. What's it? Number six, the juggernaut from 1990, Gary, known as the Visionaries. Rick Martell, the Warlord in Power and Glory, all managed by Slick. And uh, same deal, they won uh, with the with the skunk. They beat uh, the Merc the uh, the Vipers, and that uh, Jake the Rockers and Snooka in, in their match. And uh, that was right after uh, Martel had done the blinding angle with Jake, which was beautifully done, if you ask me. Anytime somebody's got an atomizer, it's just bad news. <laughs> and uh, and for my money, tell me if you agree with me on this. I think Power and Glory could have done much more as a team. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like Paul Roma wasn't a good worker. He was a really good worker. Had a great look. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was just him being him backstage that never let them go any further, or what it was. I think injuries yeah, I, played I, a part. What? I think injuries played a part in it. I think they were both yeah. hurt when they wrestled LOD at Mania. He was in a tag team in WCW, right? Too. He also. was one half of Pretty Wonderful with Paul, Paul yeah. Mr. Wonderful Ondorf. And he was also a horseman. Yep. Yeah. For some damn reason. No, not a knock on Roma, but he did not fit in with the horseman. Well, Dex Luger. Luger was a horseman. Too, so. 
didn't. After a while, everybody had been in horseman. <laughs> After Barry Windham, everybody was a disappointment up until Benoit showed up. Yeah. And Pillman. Was, I still say the 95. Uh, my favorite horseman is the uh, Flair, Arn, Tully, Windham lineup from 88. But a very close second is the Flair, Arn, Pillman, Benoit lineup from 95. I thought there was a lot more that could have been done with them. It was Flair, Benoit, Malenko, and... Mongo. Was it Mongo? That's right. It was was Mongo Mongo. until until the night he went to the strip club and never came back. (laughs) Then it was like Flair, Mongo, or Flair, Arn, Malenko, and Benoit with Arn as like the JJ. Yeah. But that was a good thing. I like Benoit and Malenko as a tag team. Even uh, in ECW before that. But uh, how do we always fall, go off track? We're talking about Power Glory, then we go into talking about Dean Malenko. You were this talking about the horseman. It's how we roll, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So, number five is probably my favorite Survivor Series team, but not the greatest from 1989. And if we don't recreate this look for one of our shows sometime, Gary, I'll be very sad. It's the Rude Brood. The Rougeos. The Perfect and the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers with their tiny American flags and their in, uh, insincere American patriotism. Uh, I really liked the Rougeau Brothers as a team at this point in 89 when they were working like with the rockers and uh, the bushwhackers <laughs> and they were if they would have stuck around i think they would have been tag champs but i think raymond retired i think he was hurt or something and then jacques of course went on to become the mountie which was fantastic if not anything for his music yes <laughs> But uh, yeah, it seemed like it's probably not a coincidence, Gary, that Rick Rude and uh, Kurt Hennig were always on the same team at Survivor Series. You know, being, being, being Robinsdale boys, you know, best buds and all that stuff. Same deal. Uh, uh, Perfect was the sole survivor of this one, beating Snuka. They beat Rowdy's, Roddy's Rowdies was the team that they beat Piper, the Bushwhackers, and Jimmy Snuka. Which was such a weird team. I I couldn't buy Piper and Snuka getting along. <laughs> Even then, it made no sense to me because I remembered when Piper hit Snuka with the coconut. Yeah. And then five years later, they're buddies, and he's going to be on this team. I mean, come on. Yeah, like I think that's kind of the thing that Vince always was bad about. I think he thought it was a strength that somebody would have this huge falling out and then they'd have their blow off and they would, wouldn't touch for years. And then when they would touch again, it was like that nothing had ever happened. And that always bugged me. And I, I like, I like when there's a thread like, uh, when you're when you haven't touched for a while 
and somebody says, hey, I still remember what you did. You know, it's not like this never happened because that's real life. You know, you're not going to be, you know, there's a lot of people backstage that don't like each other, even in today's era of WWE and AEW, where you're just not going to like everybody. I mean, you have to work with them, but you don't have to like them. But yeah, I, I like the I like the idea of guys just yeah. After, the whole coconut thing was so iconic. Yeah, that it's hard to get past that if you were a kid, especially, and watched that. Mm-hmm. And then to hear Piper talk about it years later, he like he thought he killed Snuka. <laughs> so, and then you know. Jimmy, it was have a pretty hard head to break a coconut over it. Yeah. Like if you hit me in the head with a coconut, the coconut wouldn't break, but it would probably crack my skull. Yeah. Well, and as Jimmy is you hit me with the coconut. He's Fijian, right? He's from Fiji, yeah. Yeah. So those island boys always had the the hard heads back then. Well, they have like uh, Samoans. They actually have thicker bone density than right? your normal human. So I'm guessing that all the island nations have that same trait. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where they got the headbutt thing from because, yeah, like a, if somebody with thicker bone, if more bone density than you, like headbutt you, like I was watching something and Zion Quinn was on it and he's Samoan and he was an ex-rugby player, and they, they tested his bone density, and they said it was a four, and a normal person's is a one. Oh, jeez. So, and he's not the world's, like, most Jack Samoan even. Like, he's kind of tall yeah. and rangy comparatively. Like, so if you got yeah. other dudes that are just, like, beasts, like, and they're, not, not only are they just male trucks of made into human flesh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but they also have bones that are stronger than yours. So, but yeah, it it was a weird team because I don't like to see guys who who historically don't like each other on the same team. Unless they're actually communicating. Unless you can see the tension between them. Yeah. I don't want to see these guys playing, like buddying up with each other. But, uh, but yeah, so Rude's Brood is number five, and like I said, probably my favorite team just because I'm a big Kurt Hennig fan and a big Rick Rude fan, so that was aces for me. Uh, number four, probably one of the strongest, like as far as like each individual member being on the team, is from 2001. Uh, team WWF, you got Undertaker and Kane, The Big Show, The Rock, and Chris Jericho. I mean, come on, that's a hell of a team, even in 2001. Yeah. Uh, it's the one where they took on the alliance of Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, uh, Van Damme, Booker, and Shane McMahon. So three-fifths of their team was WWF guys, even though they were the alliance, which is... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I loved... like the, the Invasion Angle missed in a lot of ways, but I loved the idea of it when it first started because you're in your head... You have you can't help but fantasy book all these matches. Like who's who's going to come in? Who are they going to work with? You know, and I did the same thing. Like 
trying to figure out who Van Dam was going to work with. I'm, I mean, when that invasion pay-per-view came around, it's like they put him with with Jeff Hardy, which makes sense. But I was hoping that they would have brought in like Eddie Guerrero or somebody like that to work with Van Dam because I just knew Van Dam from ECW and I was a fan then. And then to just the way that they, I guess for lack of a better term, they just watered down the alliance with all these WWF guys because all the big stars were just sitting on their Time Warner contracts and not wanting to work. Yeah. Like your Hogan, Sting, Flair, not Flair, uh, the Steiners, uh, Goldberg. DDP. No, DDP was there. He was in the alliance. Was he? I know he yeah, waited he, his contract out, though. Remember, he was he was the one stalking the Undertaker's wife. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was that was a winner of a, of an angle. But uh, but yeah, so that was that was a this was a fun team. I mean, there's just look at this just the star power alone on that team puts it yep. in a high number on my list here. And uh, and they did win. The Rock was the sole survivor of that one. And uh, they all got to keep their jobs. Yay! It was the winner-take-all match. But, uh, yeah, so that's my number four. Number three, if talking star power, I mean, got the Teamsters from 1994. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here between Sean and Diesel. <laughs> it's kind of an odd uh, position to be in there. Yeah. Like Diesel's like, why is this girl on my shoulder? Oh, that's Sean. Then Anvil whispering sweet nothings into Owen's ear, and then Jared just oblivious to all of it. Yeah. But for the time in '94, uh, I mean, Owen was probably my favorite wrestler back then. Diesel was a close second. I, I was a big fan of Diesel back in the mid '90s, and then just. Just for work rate, just Michaels, Owen, and Jared on the same team. It's just going to make for just some some fine work. Plus the guys they were working with. I mean, they were working with Razor, uh, Kid, Bulldog, and the Head Shrinkers. So that whole match yeah. was solid. Just going back to the uh, Samoan, <laughs> you look at the Head Shrinkers, and by comparison, the Usos seem tiny nowadays. Yeah. Well, the Usos are tiny comparatively to most those guys like even their little little brothers bigger than <laughs> yeah, they are so. yeah he's like a fire hydrant but yeah it's, but they still got the uh they do all all the moves that the Samoans did but they're faster with them because they're they're lighter but but the head shrinkers I was always a fan of this was the second head shrinkers by the way this was Fatu and the Barbarian oh. it was after Samu had left and they had put boots on them for some reason I never got why they put boots on the head shrinkers. I think it was because of the barbarian. I don't think he wanted to be barefoot. <laughs> but if you remember, Gary, this is the match where uh, Diesel turned babyface because oh, Michaels yeah. hit him with the super kick on accident and then Diesel got mad and chased him away. So it had come down to a five-on-one. Razor was the only guy left on the team. Michaels hits the errant super kick on Diesel and Diesel chases Michaels out. The rest of the team follows him down the aisle. So the referee just counts all five of them out. So Razor won the match, which is one of the most bizarre finishes to a Survivor Series I think I'd ever seen. Well, it, it, yeah, 
<laughs> Nobody saw it coming, I guess. <laughs> no, I guess not. I mean, Razor was the big baby face, so he had kind of had to win. But they were pushing Diesel to the moon, and like three days later is when he beat Backlund for the title. Oh, pal, you gotta this. Oh, you're not gonna see it coming. <laughs> All five of them get count out. <laughs> Yeah, that was the show where uh, Vince and Gorilla were on commentary dressed like cowboys. Because Vince loved to play dress up. We, we can laugh about Vince now. It, I think that enough time has passed. We can. Yeah, that, that we can man, finally on Vince and K. McMahon. That man ran that company for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was doing something right. Yeah. 40 some odd years. But yeah, so Teamsters is my number three. I would have had them higher if not for the other, obviously for the other two. And speaking of two, our number two team is from the very first Survivor Series, Gary. And I'm sure, I know you love that I'm stretching this out. I just want to make sure we give our people their, their money's worth. Number two from 1987, you got the Macho Man, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Ricky Steamboat, Jake Robertson, Brutus Beefcake. Uh, they were... Brother Brutai. Uh-huh. Basically, team foreign objects. <laughs> Jake, Jake has the snake. Bruce has his clippers. Hacksaw has the big two-by-four. So everybody had something. And I guess, well, technically, I guess Randy had Elizabeth. But it's kind of it's the same deal that I was talking about with Piper and Snooka. Because just it's six months or so before... Savage was feuding with Steamboat. And then not long before that, Steamboat was feuding with Roberts. And it, yeah, it just seems like they put water under the bridge and they were all buddied up in the, like in the interview before the show, like before the match. It's like, these guys were trying to kill Jake Roberts DDT'd Ricky Steamboat on concrete. Yeah. Right around a year before this. And he sure did. I mean, not his idea. Because no. listen to Jake, he didn't want to do it. Yeah. I can't say that I, I love Jake telling a story because he's still like enough carny that you don't know if it's true. But he tells it so well and so convincingly that you don't care. Like yeah. when he talks about all the people like he almost fractured their skulls or whatever he did with the DDT. It's like, okay, like I kind of believe it because it was still a fairly new move and you're still trying to figure it out. But like, if you're, if you don't know how to like not fracture somebody's skull with the DDT, I don't believe that. (laughs) He's like, well, you can't do that on concrete. Like I, I understand protecting the move and much like you and I agree on wholeheartedly DDTs, Pile drivers, certain moves need to be protected. Yes, but uh, yeah, it's always funny because if he if he actually did all those that brain damage to all those people with just DDTs over the years, then nobody would ever be able to use a DDT. <laughs> no, it'd be right up there on the no holds barred list. Yeah, but yeah, and also to be fair, Steamboat did tell Jake that he could protect himself. Yeah. He, he was wrong. 
Yeah, he got his bell rung pretty well there. But, but yeah, so yeah, it's kind of the same deal. I mean, number one, just awesome team for star power. But yeah, I still just didn't get how these guys were at each other's throats just a few months before. Now they're all on the same team doing doing whatever. But I digress. I think it's time to go to our number one, Gary. From 1989, which is actually my favorite Survivor Series. Uh, there we go. The Hulkamaniacs. Jake Roberts again. This is like his second or third appearance on the list with Demolition and Hulk Hogan. They beat the Million Dollar Team, Ted DiBiase, the Powers of Pain, and Zeus, real uh, juggernaut. But, uh, but yeah, that's probably, with the exception of the Ultimate Warrior, probably the four biggest baby faces in the company on one team. Yep. Poor Jake. Never going to get his shot at the title, but he was a baby face. Yeah. Couldn't even get the Intercontinental title on him. What? I would rather see him do it than the Warrior. Oh, yeah. Give him a cool snakeskin belt. So sold that in the, the catalog in the in the uh, centerfold of the WWF magazine. Yeah. So I love the team. I didn't like the match because basically three of the guys on the other team got disqualified for abusing Hogan. <laughs> I mean, DiBiase pinned Roberts clean. That's That's fine. But Zeus got DQ'd like first because he can't work out of a paper bag, so they had to get him out of there somehow. So they had him choking Hogan, then shoving the referee down, getting DQ'd. And then the Powers of Pain just basically double-teamed him. Hit, I think they hit a, a spike pile driver on him or something. It just wouldn't listen to the five count of the referee. You know, got to listen to the referee. So they disqualified him. The only saving grace was Jesse Ventura on commentary just crowing that they were protecting Hogan by DQ and all these guys because he should have been beaten three times. So, yeah, Jesse saved the match for me, but just on paper, though, I mean, yeah, it's got to be considered the best Survivor Series team of all time. Very good team. Yeah. And, again, really good show. I might do a watch-along one of these days of that 89 Survivor Series. But, uh, I gotta figure out how to do it on here, like where I can actually have the video of the match because everybody knows I tried to do a watch along a few weeks ago, just me, and all you saw was me watching my iPad. <laughs> I was able to get the audio in like intertwined in there here and there, but yeah, it was just if you watch YouTube, you just saw me doing this. Uh, well, I then, think the problem would be if you're putting it on YouTube is would be like copyright, copyright. infringement. If you're yeah. watching, if you don't cut, you can only show so much before you have to cut away or, yeah. or you have to cover it up with something, maybe. You all, you'll have to check into that. You have to yeah, I'll look into it. Like, I'd, I'd love to throw some watch-alongs on here just because, you know, that's another reason to watch wrestling, you know. So that brings to a close our top ten, and we're going to – Say goodbye here in a second, Gary. But before we do, I want to pay the bills. slash JTR pod, where you can get all our t shirts. We got some new ones uploaded this week with the uh, the logo. It's uh, it looks cool. Uh, a few different colors. You can get it white, red, or, or not red, white, gold, or gray. Uh, still 
we've got some cool ones. We've got the uh, I Heart Heels shirt. Everybody Menders is. <laughs> she's been wearing some of the shows here and there. So go there, check it out. Uh, buy a shirt or three. You know, help us keep the uh, keep the lights on on the podcast here. And uh, next Wednesday, the zero one shootout. Uh, Menders and I will be talking to a really cool guy named Devontae Knox. He's the current number one contender for the zero one junior heavyweight championship. But uh, we're going to get into some news about the uh, the title picture next week because there's some uh, there's some developments there. But we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, other than that, there's uh, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say. Gary, you got anything you want to throw in before we say goodbye? I know within the next was it we're were we talking about the new year when we're going to start having like some guests from the Chicago scene on and talking about yeah. the independent wrestling and so that's something to look forward to we get yeah. an ex-wrestler and ex or an ex-wrestler a current announcer and then an ex uh, booker cool. and we gonna... might have some other guests after that or in between or i don't we haven't nailed all of it down but i know that's coming so yeah we'll just be our two our two mugs all yeah. the time i think we're shooting for january for for those shows gary uh kick off the new year with the little chicago indie talk which i think is cool uh i went to a few indies in chicago when i lived up there and it was a lot of fun uh, also december 27th uh we're planning on doing the annual year review episode i'm working on maybe having a couple people uh, old friends call in and we'll break down the uh all the same categories we had last year. It won't be quite as like we're not going to do the match of the year fan vote this year. We'll probably just each have our own and all that. But keep an eye out on our Facebook and our Twitter for that. And we'll uh, uh, we'll have that going on uh, Tuesday, December twenty seventh, a couple of days after Christmas, and that'll be the last show of the uh, the year for jumping the rail. But uh, until two weeks from now, uh, we're going to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Gary. Goodbye, Gary. Nah, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> and, uh, and for Gary, uh, this is Redmond, and I'm reminding you all, life is hard, so work stiff. See you later. <laughs>